Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 674 of the Milk Bar. Jason Boyce here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Christelle, great British Bake Off finalist last year, lets us know all about the big Jubilee lunch and how it's going to bring communities together. Sudden Arts Theatre are along to let us know about their show company that opens this week. Jazz Ellington will be sharing music. He's got a brand new single out just a decade after his appearance on The Voice, where many of you will know him from. We'll be having an answer with Daisy Payne, TV gardener, all about how coffee grinds can turn into compost, including a special webcam that lets you watch the process happen. Also, we'll be talking to garden Danny Clark about some new research from Saga, which says we shouldn't write off the over 50s as they can easily change career direction anytime they want to. We'll be having an answer with Tom Robinson of Quarry Bank Music musical theatre all about their production of Shrek which is on the Briley Hill Civic in June and we'll also be talking about accessibility too as we find out how AI devices around our homes can really make a massive difference to those who have different disabilities that's along the way on the show this week from the 26th of May right the way through until the 4th of June Company, a musical comedy, is on stage at the Sutton Arts Theatre. Dexter and Emily Whitehead are here to tell me more. Hello to you both. Hello. Now, a, f- a fantastic show by all accounts. It's Sondheim. What isn't there to love already? A musical comedy. So you guys have got your work cut out. Oh, God, definitely. It's a lot more than our work cut out. <laughs> it's a big challenge, this one, for all of us. Let's, let's just say that. Yeah. But it's, it's more than just comedy. It's about love and things can go right and wrong in a relationship. So, uh, and I, I believe that you two guys are directing? We are. We're married and we're the directors as well. So that so, can cause a few little uh, hiccups that here and there. I don't think there's any anything that is more relevant than a married couple directing company because <laughs> it, it is just like, it, it, it's about these married couples who, you know, they're obviously very much in love, but they bicker and they fight and then they, you know, have their funny moments and things like that. And if you came to a rehearsal, you probably understand why it's just perfect for us. <laughs> you're, you're demonstrating through the method directing method. But there we go. So I said, give, give us the background to the tale. Who are we following in this Sondheim story? So it's um, set in modern day New York and it, it centres around the main character, which is Bobby. Um, he's approaching his 35th birthday. And really, the story is about um, it's Bobby contemplating whether or not he should remain single um, or whether or not he should get married. And he's surrounded by all of his married friends or soon to be married uh, couple friends. Um, And the story takes us on a journey which glimpses into each of those either married relationships or just about to be married relationships. And we see the good, the bad um, and the ugly. And really, it's him questioning should he be going in the same direction of them and them all giving their opinions on whether he should stay single or get married. Yeah, and, and, and of course, it then brings on to the kids. I mean, you're already at the kids stage of your relationship and uh, there's, there's a 19-month-year-old who is, is causing chaos in the background. They don't have that part of the story to play with, do they? So, <laughs> no, but not really. There's, there's no doubt going to be thoughts of that sort of thing as well, which, which is all part of getting together as a couple. So you've got every bit of, of life put together on stage with music. I mean, again, what more could you ask for? Exactly. What's not to love? And it, there's 
there's humour throughout, isn't there, really? Um, yeah, I think, it, 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 you know, we've got all of these individual little stories, but they are so funny and the script is so good as far as, um, you know, quirky one-liners, there's, there's, there's physical comedy in there. Um, and then also you've got the emotional roller coaster that Bobby's going on while he's while he's observing all of this. Um, you it, know, it really captures the the honesty of you know true relationships. Really, the dynamics of various different types of relationships. We'll all know somebody like us. There'll be a couple like us. There'll be another couple. You'll everybody that comes to see the audience will say, "Yeah, I recognise that in myself in my own relationship." Or there might be the single guy or the single girl um, that recognise themselves as the Bobby character. And, you know, socially, I mean, for a long time, it was sort of frowned upon if you, you were single for too long. And it's about, you know, society forces you to sort of get a job, get married, have kids. And really, you know, is that right for you as, a, as an individual? And the bottom line of it is really, isn't it? What's what's life all about without love? Mm-hmm. Um, and is it better off being alone? Well, I mean, that, that's where the title, really, the, the company title comes from. Is it better to have companionship for the rest of your life? Or is the company that you keep, as in all of your married friends, is that enough? So that's kind of where it comes from, in my view. And to this musical number. So the music in this, uh, how, how does it work from, from that side of things? Because I've, I've seen some amazing work done by uh, certain arts when you've had the orchestra in the bar. Uh, yeah. How does it work for this one? What do you need for this yeah. show? They'll still be in the bar. The orchestra um, in the bar, excellent. I love they're that. They're still in the bar, yeah, because we're obviously at certain arts, we've got no no peds. So they'll definitely be um, in the bar. We've condensed the orchestra down from, it should be a 25-piece orchestra, and our fabulous uh, musical director, Russell Painter, has cut that down without losing any of it. So we've got, I think we're down to seven, aren't we? Yeah, we so. Seven plus a conductor. Um, so that, that, they'll still be based in the bar. I've got to say that out of all of the musicals that we've done, musically, this is the most complex, isn't it? Uh, challenging for the, for, the, for the cast to learn the harmonies and things like that. But uh, as you said, we've got, our, we've got our orchestra in the bar. We have people... You know, every musical where we've done uh, and had the orchestra in the bar, we have people come down after they've seen the show to sit in the bar and just listen to the orchestra play as well because it's such a it's such a unique uh, situation, I guess. Really, it's amazing what you do. I absolutely love it, and it's a beautiful theatre. It's it's it sort of bees you compact and makes you part of the story. You really feel you're in there with it. Whether it's like the wedding singer I saw there again, absolutely amazing with the, the music there and getting into it. And, and, and feeling you, you're part of the cast because you're experiencing it with them. And I think that's even more important than this story than ever before. I think that's that's the most, you know, it's one of the things that we love about our theatre is the fact that we are like 120 something seats. Everyone's very close to the action. It's intimate. You can, you can see if someone's got a tear rolling down their eye and you can see the smiles beaming on the cast face as well. So it really does give you that. You feel like you are part of it. And uh, that's the magic of it. So. I guess that's why we want people to come and see the show. Well, it's actually always worth seeing anything at the Sutton Arts Theatre. Go along, oh, because it'll have been chosen for you in some way. That's the thing. Even if it's something you wouldn't think, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure about it. You go, because it will be that good. It, it's, it's well worth checking out. This runs the 26th of May through to the 4th of June. There is a Saturday matinee as well in those dates. It is yeah. the 
Company, a musical comedy about love and marriage, and it will be brought to life on stage by Sutton Arts Theatre. The box office is 0121-355-5355, so that's 0121-355-5355, and you're online at suttonartstheatre.co.uk. So get your tickets, get along, enjoy it. It starts at a tenner. Find out uh, which uh, the cost is for the day you want to get there. But most importantly, get along and see it and enjoy. There's parking close by. Make sure you pay your parking. They will catch you out otherwise. But uh, yeah, make sure you get down there. Dexter and Emily, have a fantastic time. Directors don't necessarily have to break a leg, but don't break up your marriage, whatever happens. Okay. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much. Really, really do appreciate it. it. Come and see us. You won't be disappointed. The 27th of May sees Jazz Ellington release Watch Over Me, and he joins me now to tell me more about his single and the rest of his musical world. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Nice to be here, actually. Well, good, <laughs> good to meet up with you. And uh, we, we do so much of this virtually these days. It must be quite weird being in the world of music and you know, playing to real people, yet still all your press junkets and every time you do anything like this, it's, it's all over Zoom. You're not really seeing people in quite the same way as you would normally do. Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, what's, what's it been like uh, for you musically of late? Because obviously uh, everyone had a bit of time to work on new stuff before we'd able to get there and share it in real life. So so what's the story here? It's a beautiful thing that happened, actually. Um, so the song was written by uh, a guy named Mike Rose. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a musical genius. He's amazing. Um, he calls me one day and he says to me, oh, Jazz, I've got this song. And um, he wrote it about someone special in his life. And... Um, I, I listened to the song and immediately I was just like, oh my God, I this is inc- it's an incredible song. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, he um, he said, you know, he wants me to sing it. And I was like, it'd be a privilege, privilege and an honour, um, especially as I could actually connect with it. I didn't write this one, obviously. Um, I actually, generally, actually, I write all my stuff, but yeah. um, I'm definitely open to... Um, you know, if you hear something that's amazing, you can connect with it, absolutely. I'll go for it. But it also um, becomes yours as well in many ways, because although it's it's effectively a collaboration, having somebody else write the song in the first yeah. place, you bring it to life for yeah. them, and, and they wouldn't let you loose with their baby unless they were happy with what you're going to do with it. That, that's true. And I suppose when I... Um, it's my own interpretation of it, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I connected... I really connected... And to be honest, I really connected with it at the time because I was going through loss. I'd lost some people, um, some close people in my life from some close friends and some family members. And so it was almost like, it was a bit of healing for me. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? When you listen to the, when you listen to the song, the words are very key. Sometimes when you go through loss and stuff, you don't really know the words to say, but it's almost there. It's like he, he was almost like he was watching me <laughs> <laughs> and he knew that I would know how to, you know what I mean? Deliver that masterpiece. So, um, I'm just wanted to be able to sing it. Do you know what I mean? So, and uh, and sing it you have, and I say the release is much anticipated. People actually finally able to get their hands on on a copy, and uh, we'll be obviously <laughs> listening to it and listening back on the track. Um, I mean, do, do you surprise yourself sometimes how good you are? Because you are amazing. Oh, bro, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, um, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it's, I mean, it's, I suppose if you feel a piece of music, you can you connect to it in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. And I suppose if it's if it if the bones of a song is is, is are great, and 
an emo- and you have an emotional connection to it. I suppose it's almost like giving someone um, something that's that suits them. Do you know what I mean? If it really suits you, it kind of it's just a, a given that it's going to really work. Do you know what I mean? As a recipe as a whole. So um, I, f- I feel like if when when people come to me with production or, or songs that they've written, if it is something that I can connect, I I, I can really connect with it. Um, I kind of I'm able to channel the excellence of the song, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. I just, I, I just do my best. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you best. can do. But when yeah. it comes down to having done the voice, well, and that's that's a decade ago now, isn't it? Oh my god! Like I've been doing these quite a few interviews lately, and I can't believe it's been a decade since <laughs> I was on that show. Um, what's interesting is that when I was on the show, I was um, we were pregnant with my son, mm-hmm. and he's ten next month. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Like it's crazy. He's ten next month, so definitely marks ten years. And uh, nice anniversaries, nice to look up, look back on. And say like, the voice hasn't done any harm to your career at all. It's brought your name to, to more people. But you really are a, a, a jobbing musician, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. That is, is a, a, maybe a different side to what you'd expect from most recording artists. So now I think you, you're used to telling a story to an audience, which people who've only sung in their bedrooms don't really get. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> I, I love it. So what's next then? We've got this single. Are we expecting an album in the near future too? You know what? Everybody's asking that. And I'm like, you know what? We, we want it. This is, we, we, just, we want this. This is okay. It's not really, it's not an inquiry. It's no request. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's happening. I've, I've been telling people it's happening. I'm, I've got some more songs I'm, I'm doing with Mike Rose. Again, he's a genius. He's, he's incredible. Um, I've been writing um, some songs uh by myself because i play i play a little bit of guitar no i'm not a guitarist no, just so we're clear <laughs> i play a few, i know a few chords that's it so um i've definitely got a story to tell um i would love i can't wait to open my audible diary for all to see do you know what i'm saying that'd be yeah. really cool okay we'll look forward to that meanwhile though the single watch over me we've got on the 27th of may uh, what format is it on Oh, it'll be on all digital platforms, Spotify, um, Apple Music. But yeah, it's out 27th. Excited. I'm nervous as well. I'm always <laughs> nervous when it comes to releases because you don't know if everyone's going to like things. Just, you don't automatically say, oh, it's amazing. Everybody will think it's amazing. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Well, I say we know it's amazing. We'll take a listen to it. Meanwhile, for now, Jazz, give us all your web details and socials before we have a listen to the track. Okay. So my website is www.iamjazzellington.com. Um, and all my socials are at Jazz Ellington with one Z. So check it out. He's just, he's <laughs> amazing. And uh, you, 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 know, you can go out and say you enjoy his music and the world will be listening along with you. It's going to be amazing. Jazz, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to thank the album in the not too distant future. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Thank you so much. Since you've been gone, the world's just not the same. My heart has questions. I can't explain While I wouldn't give To have more time with you To see your smile Light up a room God, I miss you I still talk to you Somehow I know you 
just know you do So watch over me Watch over me Let me feel your arms around me Let me feel your love surround me Watch over me Stay close to me Until we're back together From now until forever Watch over me I miss your voice Calling out my name And that look you gave To see I was okay God knows I miss you Every single day You know I sing a prayer for you Kiss the stars and say So watch over me Watch over me You know I long to touch your face And feel your warm and sweet embrace Watch over me Shine down on me I know your loving light will guide me I can feel you here beside me Watch over me Through to the 11th of June at Briley Hill Civic Hall. Plays host to Quarry Bank Musical Theatre. Tom Robinson is one of their number and joins me now to let us know about his part in the show. Shrek, hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, good to see you. Long time no see, in fact. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has, because th there was something going on which stopped all the fun things that we normally talk about taking place. However, Quarry Bank Musical Theatre are back and Shrek is the order of the day and it is an amazing show being put together by an amazing company. It certainly is, yeah, and um, we can't wait. Uh, the cast are, are raring to go and we just can't wait to be back in the theatre um, with audiences. I mean, how amazing is that? It's so, cool. <laughs> uh, we can't wait. We can't wait. So tell us about your role in the show. So I'm playing Lord Farquaad. Which I, I, I knew and I'm really looking forward to. Uh, because <laughs> it's an amazing part to play, 
But, I mean, it, uh, yeah, for those who, who are not aware of uh, his stature, he's quite short. Now, you yourself are incredibly tall. Uh, and uh, it, so this is going to prove interesting, particularly as uh, the, the costume for this one is, is somewhat technical. It certainly is, yeah. Um, it's going to be somewhat challenging, I think, um, <laughs> certainly for live performances. But uh, it's something that I am going to take my stride. But, yeah, right, I am going to be um, playing the role on my knees um <laughs> so yeah it's it's going to be good it's going to be really interesting something that i've never done before i've seen a show so uh, it's a new and exciting challenge but something that i think will add certain comic value to the to the to the show, really. Because, I mean, um, the, the audience are, are willing something to go wrong because that'll make it even funnier. But it's so amazingly funny anyway, he doesn't need to. Absolutely, yeah. I don't want to give too much away about the costume, but um, it is a, a fantastic illusion, if, if you will. And, um, you know, to, to see someone, say, with big arms and then these short legs, um, it is really, really funny and uh, just... Adds, adds to the show, I think, from the moment that you see the character. I, we, we hope, anyway, that it will provide people with lots of laughs and, and, and lots of fun. Because Shrek in itself is an amazing full family film and it's turned into a, an amazing full family show because there's, there's, there's great humour for the adults, there's the entertainment for the kids and who doesn't love an ogre? Absolutely. I think it's a, you know, a well-known film, very popular film um that everybody loves and like you say yeah it, it's a family film family show and we're bringing that swamp to the stage um and i think it's it's a fantastic show because you get to learn even more about the characters and we, we delve into their their backstories and and just it gives you a little snippet that the films perhaps don't give you so there's a bit more insight into all the fairy tale creatures and uh yeah every role from shrek fiona donkey and uh, Lord Farquaad himself. Well, as Shrek, that is uh, one heavily made-up role, and uh, I, I'm almost tempted to say somebody who probably needed less makeup than most for this is uh, Carl, who's uh, taking on this. <laughs> yeah, Carl, bless him, um, absolute soldier. I mean, this this show is, um, you know, it is it's, it's certainly a challenge for us all to be putting on. I know Carl will be um, in prosthetics. He has to arrive at the theatre way before any of any of us um to get all this on so if if that's not commitment i don't know what is um <laughs> and uh, yeah it's it's a it's a lot of makeup and yeah it, it's fantastic you know he, he does turn into to shrek himself and anybody that's seen the the images on our social media platform will just see how how good it's going to be i'm really excited i don't know where the car is because again it's going to prove <laughs> quite a challenge um but yeah, he, he's raring to go and, and he looks fantastic. I mean, you know, he is Shrek. Yeah, so he, thinks, he sounds fantastic and he's got an amazing sense of humour. So he's going to deliver all those comedy lines brilliantly, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, you know, I think it's fair for me to say that um, it's certainly a dream role for him. In fact, his daughter was um, in the production professionally um some years back and she played um i think it was young fiona or teen fiona one of the fionas mm -hmm. um and he obviously watched her perform in that show uh, professionally and I, I know that he said many a time that when he watched that he just thought wow wouldn't it be fantastic if he could play the role of shrek and obviously dreams are coming true for him because uh 
he's about to embark on that role. And I, I know he's, he certainly can't wait. And he is fantastic, as are the rest of the cast. You know, well, We know yeah. Quality Bank are going to do an absolutely amazing job of this. The, you guys always do. And there's so many different people who move around different companies and, and are in different shows because it's an, there's an amazing audition pool of people. And all the companies always choose the right people for the right roles, which is great. And that just means that they're involved in a number of different uh, uh, productions. And say uh, Quality Bank doing the amazing work here, as you have done in the past, as I've been down to see, see performances. So tickets yeah. are available um, via CT? They are, yes. Uh, they're available by um, www.ct.co.uk um, and you can find Shrek. Um, if you want to do the, the forward slash, I think it's qbmts-shrek. Um, but you can find us on um, Facebook and Instagram. If you just go on uh, type in Quarry Bank Musical Theatre Society, you'll find us on there and all the links are on there. Also, you can go to the... Um, Briley Hill Civic Hall website and if you go to their events page um, we shall also pop up there and, and the links directly there for you to book tickets and in fact I can get you a phone number as well if you would like Okay, we like phone um, numbers, they're always good so this is like the official that. box office like phone number. number Absolutely, for those people that don't want to book online so the phone number is 077 so I'll just say that again 077 4280321. And you must have a, a favourite moment or favourite song in this show because it's full of amazing music and it's full of amazing lines. So what, what's, what's your favourite bit? I think my favourite bit of the show is the uh, finale mm -hmm. where we hope to achieve an audience just full of joy and um, just, you know, have, have enjoyed the whole experience and hopefully we can we can get everybody having a great time. Um, it's a time where in that finale, everybody will know the words to the song and, and that I am sure. So uh, I'm hoping that the audiences will certainly then go out, you know, feeling amazing. Well, I, I know they will. And I know it'll be also based on the amazing performance you guys have put in. Break a leg. Don't remove any weird antennae off anybody whose face is painted green. Uh, have a, an amazingly awesome time for Quarry Bank Musical Theatre at the Bradley Hill Civic. That is the 4th through to the 11th of June. Tom Robinson, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate your time. With the Platinum Jubilee celebrations taking place and the fact that we all love a good community get-together, it's going to be one of those summers where we all have some fun, fingers crossed. To tell us more about a fantastic Jubilee event, I'm joined now by a former Bake Off contestant, finalist from last year, Christelle, good afternoon. Hi Jason, thanks for having me, how are you doing? I'm good, good to have you along and uh, I, I take it that uh, you're going to be up there sorting out some fantastic baking for a Jubilee event or two over the coming weeks. I will indeed. I'm actually in the process of developing lots of blue, red and white themed desserts for various brands and, and TV shows, um, all Jubilee themes. So I'm very much in the Jubilee mood, which is very exciting and ready for, for the big celebrations, you know, from the 2nd to the 5th of June. Yeah, because I mean, you can't beat having a party in a marquee and, and, and you know a thing or two about that after last year's Bake Off. Yeah, I am very familiar with, with white tents and bunting. <laughs> and it's quite funny, I was chatting to, um, before to someone about how actually there's quite a few similarities with the quintessentially Britishness of the Great British Bake Off and obviously the big Jubilee party. It's all about that bunting, the, the, the British kind of essence of it, and it's all about celebration. And I think that's what's so nice about um, 
the big Jubilee launch and in the survey results that came out today, um, most people actually said that what they like most about the Jubilee launch is that sense of community spirit, which you also kind of get on the Great British Bake Off. But it's kind of the idea that, you know, you're spending time with your local neighbourhoods and your communities. I think for, for the large, kind of the largest part, we've almost forgotten about, especially over COVID, you know, we've all been in lockdown and we mm -hmm. haven't been able to spend time and have these sort of big parties and even prior to COVID I think we were all so busy I think you know especially in this country everyone's rushing around I feel like that the, the rush hour in the UK is is very very fast and everyone is rushing to work or looking after someone or traveling and I think ironically we don't have that much time to spend with people that live in close proximity to us so I think it's a very lovely and rare occasion that we do actually get to sit down spend time with our local neighborhoods and and really you know get to check in on you know our elderly neighbors as well and I think that was something that came out of the survey as well that you know it's like actually a really good time to check in on people that you typically wouldn't um which I, I think is is so lovely and I think something else that, that came out of the survey as well is about how actually you know sharing food with people is kind of a really nice way of building relationships and I think it's it's so true you know this is what you know we want to do at these sort of parties it's mm -hmm. food is so central to any party and I can definitely vouch for that you know food <laughs> is so important in my house and I love feeding people and for me I really get that because I love feeding people and that for me is my best social event is kind of having people over at my house and just saying don't bring anything just bring your appetites and feeding them and I think it's sort of that essence of you know what you would do at the jubilee parties it's all about bringing food sharing it building those relationships with people with your local communities and obviously to celebrate that the platinum jubilee so i think it's the perfect excuse to do it not that we need an excuse to party but yeah. it's the perfect excuse if we need one <laughs> yeah well the big lunch has been getting people together since 2009 it's now the big jubilee lunch this year it runs throughout the whole of the four-day jubilee weekend so whenever you can do it do it uh sponsored and supported by uh, the likes of the national lottery uh, you've got in their pg tips next door iceland the food warehouse and pairs foundation so some big names coming together to help us get together yeah absolutely and i think it's so nice to have big sponsors backing the event which i think hopefully shows you know how important this is and how many brands really believe in the importance of the big jubilee lunch and for those who do want to get started and get stuck in we're about two weeks away but it's not too late if you head over to the big you can download your starter pack and in there it's got tips and tricks on how to host your party get permission to have a party on the street there's also lots of recipes from various chefs including myself if you want some inspiration on what to make for, for the big day um so you know i really encourage people just to, to download that pack and it's all free and um you can hopefully get get planning and what are you looking forward to doing over that weekend? Because obviously you said you're going to get together, but have you got different groups of people, different days, or are you just, is it an open house around your house? Yeah, well, I think it will most likely be an open house. We really <laughs> like to do that. I think it's the easiest for us because then we just basically just make loads and loads of food and it's kind of free for all. Everyone can come in, definitely our neighbours as well. And I think it will just be lots of cooking, lots of baking, and most importantly, lots of eating. And but, obviously spending time with our local communities. Well, this is it. Yeah, the local community. But are, are you importing any of the other Bake Off contestants from last year? I take it you still got, <laughs> you're still keeping in touch, aren't you? yeah yeah we've got a big whatsapp group which is really nice um, but you know i think now because we actually all sort of live in different areas of 
whether it's you know the country or the world um you know i think we're all so busy now so i think it will i'll have to see who who's available but yeah if they're free i mean anyone can come over really it's an open invitation <laughs> okay i'll put myself <laughs> on that list be, yeah. no, uh, I, I want to try some of the baking come on you did some amazing things in that tent. oh thank you yeah i really enjoyed it, it was uh, it feels like a long time ago now but i'd give anything to be back there to be honest mm-hmm. well there's no doubt be a christmas edition you'll end up on at some point or new year wow. so that could be good yeah definitely so if we are going to celebrate i mean this the, the big jubilee lunch is going to be an amazing way of doing it getting everyone together and uh, i say the, it's, it's making sure that yeah the whole community can join in isn't it that's the important part absolutely and i think that it's literally that it's about have, getting the whole community together and you know I would always obviously I, I'm a cook so I would always encourage people to, to make something even if it's really simple but if you can't I would even just go to the supermarket get some berries and sausage rolls and crudités and just sit down with your neighbours and open a bottle of bubbly or whatever it is and and have a good time you know I, I think what's so important and actually what came out for survey is a thing that people were least looking forward to was doing a sort of bake-off contest with each other which I actually kind of get because ironically even though I've come off a baking competition I think when you know you are having these sort of community events where you're hosting people and entertaining you don't want to feel that pressure and I think the moment you turn into a competition you feel that pressure and it can become less enjoyable and I think that's why I would always encourage people you know however you can have a celebration, you know, I would encourage people to cook, but if you can't, I think it's fine. You know, it's all about just sitting down, eating, drinking with people and, you know, especially your local community and just having a good time. Sounds good to me. Where do we find you on the social so we can see what you're getting up to over the big Jubilee lunch? Sure. Yes, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Christelle Pereira and that's where I'll update everything. So yeah, stay tuned on there and you can follow what I'm doing on my stories for sure. And make sure you do get your pack so you can join in with the big Jubilee lunch thebigjubileelunch.com nip along there get your details get your street closed off have a massive party in the middle of it sounds like a brilliant thing to do i absolutely agree for sure christelle thank you for joining us yes thanks for having me jason New research from Saga shows that we need to take the over 50s seriously in the workplace and it is never too late to look at a different career path. Somebody who knows that for definite is TV gardener Danny Clark. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are you? Oh, good here. And I trust we're finding you well. I'm fine. Yes, I'm actually fine. Brilliant. So when it comes down to changing careers, you know a thing or two about that, having headed into the world of gardening a little later in life than one maybe you've anticipated. Yeah, well, not very late. It was like in midlife, really. (laughs) So I was about 40 years old when I decided to go down a different path. So I was in sales prior to that. and I thought there must be a better, more fulfilling way of earning a living. So I chose horticulture. So I basically turned my hobby into my job. Uh, yeah, and it was 53 when you started work on the Instant Gardener. So that's when it became a household name. And uh, I mean, that in itself is, uh, it books the trend of, of most work in TV. It's normally the kids who start out in their in the late teens into the 20s. So you must have been really pleased <laughs> to have been picked up for your skill. I was very pleased, actually. In fact, it wasn't 53, it was 58. So it's even later. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, <laughs> and I really wasn't expecting it. It just came out of nowhere. So, um, yeah, I just got a call and asked if I'd be interested in presenting a show that had already been commissioned by the BBC called The Instant Gardener. And I thought it was a wind-up and nearly deleted the email. <laughs> um, but on further investigation, it was genuine. And um, I did the screen test and it just went on from there. Oh, so uh, just goes to show, life doesn't... I mean, most people are thinking about retiring around, around about 58. So I had another lease of life. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I have to say, Jason, retiring has never been on my radar, not even before that age, not even before I got into TV. I always um, thought, you know, I always wanted, because I do something that I really enjoy, I always thought to myself, I will carry on till I drop. Yeah, um, but the, the the research has shown us, though, that very often, unlike yourself, uh, the the over 50s are sort of shown by what they can't do and what uh, not what they can do, whereas you out there showing you're a can-do kind of guy. Well, absolutely. I mean, as long as you stay fit and healthy, there's no reason why you can't keep going. In fact, I would say that life gets better as you get older um, because I've got more experience. I mean, you know, my role in Saga's new head of experience, I shall be working with them over a 12-week period to define ageing. Um, and that's really what it's all about, defining ageing and getting rid of those stereotypes. Because mm-hmm. getting old doesn't need to be a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I actually look forward to the next stage of my life. Every day I wake up, I think that's great. I'm breathing. That's a bonus. <laughs> and, um, you know, every, every, everything else just falls into place. The important thing is to keep yourself fit. As yeah, long as you do that, then you, you can be around to take any opportunities that come your way. Yeah, that's, that's a massively important part of it, particularly when we're going to see tw- more than 28 million people over 50 by the time we hit 2031. And they obviously it's, will still need to be a, a massive part of our workforce. They will be a massive part of our workforce. Um, well, I think the secret, I mean, people, we talk about keeping fit, and we know that's an obvious thing to, to do, but all you need to do is walk. Just keep walking. Walking is so important. I mean, I garden, that keeps me healthy and fit, but when I'm not gardening, I'm walking. And they say one of the reasons the members of the royal family, like the Queen, the, the, um, the Duke of Edinburgh, the reason they weren't on sticks till later in life, I think the Queen's only been on sticks in the last couple of years, is because they walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think it? that's what, and, and, and as we get older, that's what we've got to keep doing. Just keep walking. You don't have to go to a fancy damn gym. Just get outside, walk, and that way you're also engaging with nature. So, you know, you're, you're exercising and you're also soothing the soul. Mm. And you're going to be an inspiration to uh, over 50s when it comes to upskilling as well. A lot of that took place during the pandemic. But, you know, it's about doing something different, finding a, a new way forward. In your case, you took your hobby and took it to the next level. And, uh, you know, they say that, that sort of thing is really inspiring for, for all of those who are thinking, well, what do I do next in this stage of my life? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you just got to turn. Let's find out what you enjoy. Just mm-hmm. be active. Find out what you enjoy and, and do that. That's all. It's as simple as that. Um, I was fortunate enough that gardening's my passion and I sort of turned that into um, a form of earning a living. But I don't actually consider it work. It's what I do. And they say if you um, do something you enjoy, you never work another day in your life. Well, I say uh, fingers crossed you've got many non-working days ahead of you based on that. Then I think that's the logic (laughs) there. (laughs) Where do we go to find out more about your role with Saga and, of course, everything they do to keep everybody active once they hit 50 and beyond? Well, I'll be documenting my head of experience journey on the Instagram account at The Black Gardener. And you can find it on the um, Saga UK Instagram account too. And basically, I'll be explaining why breaking stereotypes around ageing is so important. Oh, brilliant work you're doing. Keep up that good work. Danny Clark, wonderful to speak to you. Thank you. And see you soon again on TV and on the Instagram feed. I'll give you a little wave when I'm on TV. How's that, Jason? That sounds like a plan to me. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Cheers, mate. All the best.
with 30,000 coffee pods sent to landfill every minute. There has to be another way, not only to do this sustainably, but also help encourage the planet at the same time as enjoying a nice cup of coffee. So that's what I'm joined now by presenter of Garden to Garnish, gardener Daisy Payne. Good afternoon. Hello. How are we doing? Really good, thank you. How are you? Because I'm good. I'm coping, which is what counts. Uh, but uh, the, the, the cup of coffee is what helps many people start their day. And uh, when it comes down to the pods that go into these coffee machines, it gives the finest quality coffee so you can enjoy something that little bit special, almost as if you've got a barista in your own home. Uh, it then has this waste product, which is, you know, in so many cases, we've said, going to landfill. Mm, yeah, it's... It's a daily thing, isn't it? You kind of go about your daily life. Um, and everyone, I mean, I start the day with at least two cups of coffee <laughs> just to get things, you know, get get myself up and running. Um, and like so many other people, I think it's four in 10 people. I am one of those four. You don't always realise that they need to be disposed of kind of ethically because they're so small. So um, it's really exciting that Grind have launched the first home compostable pod in the UK because it means that when you've had your coffee, you can grab the pod and chuck it in your home composter. So I'll definitely be doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll you know break down quicker than grass cuttings, which is even better news. Yeah, because I mean, if a plastic pod goes to landfill, it's going to take 500 years to decompose. And I mean, most people think it's, it's something like 60, but no, it, it takes a huge amount of time. And of course, you're losing those coffee grounds inside too. So you've actually got two brilliant parts of this product, which are going to go wonderfully into your composting. Not only have you got the compostable pod, but also the bits left over from your cuppa. Exactly. It's literally a win-win. So, um, you know, things, anything that makes um looking after the environment and making better choices you know easier like grinder doing um i think is is a good thing because uh, we don't always know what we're looking for you know there's always really confusing labels or things that claim to be compostable but then they're not home compostable so this pod is kind of pretty groundbreaking as far as i'm concerned because it you mean you literally can pop it in in your home composter and what i actually love is that grind have got a live stream where you can yeah. watch <laughs> you can the, watch no, the, the coffee pods break down this sounds so intriguing. You know, yeah i mean watching compost slowly sort of break down um i think might be weirdly quite a mindful watch actually quite mm. relaxing absolutely um, so i can't wait to have a little look at that it could be the fish <laughs> tank on the tv which is another way of relaxing exactly but uh, when, when it comes exactly. to composting though, i mean composting is an art in itself and as a gardener you will no doubt have your own compost heat but it's getting the right mix of things on there and getting it so it's warm in yeah. the middle because it, it gives off a lot of heat when it starts going doesn't it it does it does and if you don't home compost just start because it is honestly so easy you know grab yourself a composter you can get them online you know various places in shops and stuff and pop it in a pretty sheltered but sunny spot if you can and then it genuinely is once you start you it's one of those things where you go god I I never realized that this so much could go in it and that it could be so simple and I know from from my perspective I get a lot of home deliveries still so all the cardboard um, that I have I kind of break into really small pieces chuck that in the compost bin I'll be popping my grind coffee pods in there you know grass cuttings that kind of thing but it's always you know that heat giving it a good turn um, but also um, 
you know, letting it just sit and break down and being patient is key. It is. And, and then it's fantastic for the garden, whether it is you're growing your rhubarb oh. and you need some compost for that, or whether you're, you're potting plants up and they, they want something with a bit more nutrient in it, then this is a brilliant way of doing it. And it's cost free. Exactly. It is a perfect mulch for your garden. It's this beautiful, cyclical kind of environmental process where, you know, you've put all the all the bits and bobs from the garden and like the the cardboard etc you've popped that in in there and then a year later you're using that compost that's at the bottom of the compost bin you're putting it around your roses you're putting it on your veg patch you're putting it in pots where you're growing things it, it really is a very wholesome um very grounding experience and I think to then add things to the mix like the grind coffee pods and have total confidence that they will break down and that they are home compost compostable um is is really really exciting um and I hope it's the start of more brands and more organizations really focusing in on making sure that their products like grinds are fully home compostable yeah, so if you fancy a coffee and you want to do it in a nice ethical way and you've got a compost, it doesn't even have to be your compost. You can pass them on to the neighbours if you haven't got one yourself. Well, uh, and, this uh, is it. Chuck it over the fence. Do you know no, what I mean? No, only with permission. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, but even though that said, I mean, if, even if you don't have the ability to compost, that going to landfill isn't going to be a problem either, is it? Exactly. Yeah. And that's even better um, because we just chuck things in the bin, don't we? We don't really think about it. We don't think about the environment. We don't think about the impact um and you know this research is quite interesting because it really does show that you know almost a quarter of people don't know what they can recycle um and it all starts with just that little bit of knowledge um which is why I think making things easy is so important mm -hmm. um and making things easy even just within your own home um is is a real start to to doing more for the environment well, we expect to see you with your coffee pods on your Instagram uh, and popping them oh, into the, you uh, the compost bin. So at <laughs> Garden to Garnish is what we're looking for there. Meanwhile, though, where do we go to find out more about Grind, the coffee pods that you can compost at home and also their live feed of the compost bin? Well, if you go onto Grind's website, which is grind.co.uk, if you do a little forward slash um, composting live, you'll get to the live stream. But there's loads of other stuff on social, on Instagram, um, yeah, and online. So well, go check it out. Absolutely. They are a cult coffee brand. You are an absolute star when it comes to gardening, looking after your allotment and, of course, the TV presenting <laughs> and Garden to Garnish too. Daisy Payne, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Smart Global Accessibility Awareness Day. New research is showing the use of smart devices around our homes are helping people with disabilities through a more inclusive life. To tell us all, I'm joined now by Shadi Abuzara, Principal Accessibility Standards and Policy Manager at Amazon, and Dr. Amit Patel, Diversity, Equality and Inclusion Consultant, Motivational Speaker and Author. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. Hello. Now, first of all, uh, Dr. Patel, Amit, if I can call you that, uh, you are somebody who uh, speaks from uh, experience when it comes to using these devices. Absolutely. I lost my sight nine years ago overnight. So it went from not really relying on devices or technology as much to having now them be a huge part of my everyday living. To, to, to basic things from turning, you know, if I, when someone rings a doorbell to actually being able to talk to someone, not having to get up and get to the door, to seeing what the weather's like, planning my diaries, playing my schedules. It's 
it kind of becomes a routine. So it's it's something I rely on every day. And and through that technology, I mean, uh, you, you're relatively young. I can tell that because I I can see you as we, as we talk. And it, it must have been quite a shock to you just just to have this suddenly happen. Uh, but it does mean at least you, you're at the right age group to pick up on this. But this is also helping older people in in ways that could never have been anticipated 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely, technology should not just be for a certain group of people. I think technology should be easy enough, accessible enough for everybody to use. So things which were gimmicks maybe 10, 15 years ago, having a remote control to open your blinds and your shutters, now are actually a lifeline for people. For people to be able to talk to their devices as opposed to opening a laptop and trying to find information and actually just getting information directly to them is is, is a great way. It, I, think it, I think technology opens up those doors and barriers for people not to feel isolated anymore and actually be part of society. Mm-hmm. And, and and Shadi, with the uh, the likes of your uh, Alexa device, which has probably now just woken up a number of smart speakers across the region, um, you, you, through that, and what's really happened over between the, what, it must be what five six years really, we've seen this come into its own, and the number of different linkages between uh, different bits of kit, everything from being able to ask your device what's in the fridge, uh, you know, the, the, there's all sorts of ways of, of using these that again, I just so inventive that you must be really proud of what you're doing absolutely and uh, quite honestly also uh, a bit of selfishness here as a person with quadriplegia myself uh, which means i'm disabled in both arms and and my legs uh, as well um just the use of these technologies in my everyday life is just so important um so not just how uh, Amit was was talking about how it helps him in his life as, as a blind person, but also people with physical disabilities, people with all sorts of different kinds of disabilities benefit from that. And I have uh, seen uh, such specialized assistive technologies um, many years ago um, and how they were starting to be developed and how expensive and cumbersome and difficult they were to, to even get set up. Um, so just seeing the progress of technology and, and the potential here to empower people with disabilities is just mind-blowing. And I think the other important part of this is it, it is not just technology for those who have to use it to be able to get on with their day-to-day life. It's technology for everyone, as, as Hamid said. And, and this means the pricing is accessible as well. Uh, when it comes down to sight, there are devices which will tell you what colour uh, is uh, the, the, the item in front of you is if you're looking at getting dressed and want to match and you don't have the ability to see that yourself. And you can even ask your Echo Show what you're holding these days. So, you know, and, and, and this is at a price point, which if you're buying it alongside some other kit can range from anything from 10 to £100 to get a device which can actually be life-changing. Yeah, well, f- firstly for me, I always say being disabled is a very expensive anyway. It's when you're having to buy an individual piece of technology to just do one task, you tend to find you've got a lot of expensive paperweights lying around. Um, For me, I very much like to have a product that I can use all day long. It's the same as everybody else uses. It literally is buy off the shelf, unbox it and be able to use it without having to adapt it, having to spend extra money on it and having to be different and actually interact interact with it in a different way. So for me, it's it's the simplicity of a product. And as you say, I can hold up a can of beans in front of my Alexa and say, what am I holding? And it will actually tell me, it will read out the instructions, the cooking instructions. If you're visually impaired, that's very difficult to do sometimes. And or you have to rely on someone. So this doesn't just 
make life easier. It means that I'm, I can be spontaneous. I can do things when I want to. I can be independent if I live on my own. I, can, I don't have to rely on someone to do all these things for me. So it's, it's not just, it's a better quality of life. But again, it all comes down to being able to afford it. So if, if all products were accessible and simple to use right from the get-go, that wouldn't just benefit the masses or the disabled people. It'll, be, it'll, it'll benefit the older generation, people who find technology difficult. So it's, it's a win-win, I say. Yeah, actually, to build on from there, if if I may, it's it's really about building in these features for everyone. Um, what we call mainstreaming. Um, how light, for example, the Kindle is and allows me to hold literally hundreds of, of books uh, in just the palm of my hand. As somebody with a physical disability, sometimes called print disabled, uh, you know, fiddling with the books, trying to take notes and, and so on is, is, is really uh, physically difficult uh, for me. But, but having that, that power in, in, in just the palm of the hand is, is just incredible. Yeah, and he can even read one of those books to you if you are having an off day and don't feel like doing it yourself. Exactly. Absolutely. You don't not just read it, but you can you can connect a braille display to it and actually read it yourself. So mm -hmm. it, again, it gives you the option. It's it's, it's versatile. Yeah, and say so all of this technology coming in within sensible price bands, the braille display that's obviously an optional extra. But <laughs> yes. the, you, you, you've got apps behind all of this, which are, are just making life so much simpler. Uh, my mom is yeah, has struggles from with a few mobility issues at the moment because she's going through some problems with the with her foot. But she's got uh, her Alexa set up so she can just turn the lights on and off when she wants to. That's all she needs it to do. But equally, she knows it will phone somebody if she gets stuck. Um, my, my dad passed away last year, but he had actually fallen out of bed a number of times and didn't know where he was disorientated in the dark he can get the device to turn the lights on and he got the device to call me so okay 15 minutes on the floor is better than having to wait till somebody finds you the following day you know there's all sorts of things that can be done there and it's not just people who've got disabilities which are affecting the whole of their senses it could just be it's a limitation of a minor limitation that can be made so much easier absolutely people people are talking about putting smart speakers in the in their house to control anything from lights, temperature, thermostats, um, being able to turn the TV on and off, all of these things, and, and, and controlling their alarm system. When they're, you know, is my alarm system on? It will tell you whether it's on or not. Um, all these things used to be a gimmick, but now they're actually mainstream and people use them for all varieties of things. But it's also a beneficial for people who actually rely on them every day as well. Mm -hmm. People refer to that as the electronic curb cut, uh, right? Um, I, as a wheelchair user, need the curb cut to get on and off the sidewalk. But everybody benefits from that um, when you're pushing your luggage, when you have a bicycle, when you are uh, pushing a stroller, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and and that same analogy um, works in the digital world as well. When we make something that is accessible uh, to people with disabilities, it benefits everyone all around. Mm -hmm. And Shadi as well, uh, if somebody does have maybe a, a vocal disability, a speech impairment, these devices can be set to understand that as well. Yes, there's increasingly um, uh, improvements in that field as well. One of the things that we uh, work on is uh, through the Voiceit mobile app, as it's called, um, to, to support people with different kinds of speech impairments. I've seen a demo of that myself and, and I'm really um, um, so fascinated by um, how it can uh, support people who uh, talk slower or maybe stutter or, or have other kinds of speech disabilities uh, to still interact uh, with, with uh, devices such as Alexa.
So it is amazing what is going on these days and helping so many as part of this global accessibility awareness uh, day. You know, it, it, it's good to see what's out there. Where can we go for more information? I can really recommend the um, um, Alexa um, um, Accessibility Hub there. It provides a lot of information about these accessibility features built into the different products and provides uh, materials and information resources to help you find out how you can use these tools for yourself. Uh, and uh, Amit, where can we find you on the socials on your uh, work uh, as a motivational speaker and an author? Uh, you can find me on dramits.uk. So check out the details there. My name Dr. Amir Patel, diversity, equality and inclusion consultant and motivational speaker and author. And you can also read his books in Braille if you've got the device for it. And Shadhu Avizara, Principal Accessibility Standards and Policy Manager Amazon. Thank you both for joining us. Thank, thank you, you so much. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 675 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.